and welcome to this edition of the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. I'm Melissa Zimmerman and I am super excited that you joined me again. My hope is that you've already hit that beautiful subscribe button and so all of my podcasts are in your feed and that you're enjoying them. I would love to have feedback from you if you uh, ever decide that you want to do that. You can always reach me um, through my website at bridgebuildermm.org. And um, you can just uh, send me a message and tell me what you're thinking. Or you can message me on Facebook or Instagram. Either way, um, tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. I'm open for all of it. doesn't mean anything will change. But it, I'm always open to hear somebody else's ideas. So, uh, per usual, today I am introducing you to um, an interesting uh, person in my life. I'm a little um, hesitant to uh, invite him, except that I know that he's like the kindest person on the planet. But uh, the truth is he was my boss for a lot of years. So like he knows who I am and he's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of me as we work together. So he could, if he wanted to run wild, tell some stories. Um, But the truth of the matter is he's the safest, kindest person I've ever met. So I don't have to worry about that. So today my guest is Rich Wood. Rich is an associate pastor at Victory Church in Oklahoma City, and that's where we work together. That's where he was my boss. And um, so he's, he's a, not only was he my boss, but he's a true friend and somebody that I super value in my life, and I think everybody should need him. So welcome to the show, Rich. Well, thank you, Melissa, <laughs> after that introduction. Uh, I hope that uh, I will live up to all of the expectations of yeah. your listeners, but it was my privilege uh, to work with you, and we worked with each other, yeah. uh, not for each other. <laughs> that's, and that's true. That's the great thing. That is true. He was, uh, but you were always there to support whatever I was doing and to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. He's if you need a cheerleader, Rich is your best person. He will encourage you. He will see the best in you all the time, and he will <laughs> always tell you you're great. So um, I love that. And and the good news is about us is uh, I have. Your listeners, my listeners have probably already heard the podcast that I did with your wife, Sherry Wood. Right. And she really prepared you to deal with me because Sherry and I are a lot alike. Yes, she did. <laughs> and so anything that I did, probably Sherry had already done before. And so. <laughs> and it didn't take me long in our working uh, relationship to find out uh, I was working with someone very similar uh, to who I'm married to. So. Right. Sherry and I both have this this character trait that says we have no idea what we're thinking until it shoots out of our mouth and we're both as surprised as everybody else in the room is because like we don't know what's going to come out next yeah but you trust god every day (laughs) and so do i (laughs) and we and we we beg for grace a lot but um anyway so tell us a little bit um get tell us three things that you would say describe you as a person i am passionate uh about being around lost people Mm -hmm. Um, the second thing would be I uh, love family. I love my family deeply. I love the family of God deeply. Uh, I enjoy being around broken people. Uh, that doesn't scare me. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I think um, I enjoy being around broken people maybe more so than ones that have been put back together. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't want to say that in a disrespectful way, but just in a in the fact that God's just given me a heart for broken broken people. Uh, even to the extent that if Sherry and I were to go back and look at the years of ministry that we have been in, which we're coming up on, or just completing 36 years of 
full-time ministry. That's a, that's a long time. It is a long time. You, you were like four when you started. We were very young children <laughs> when we went into ministry. And, uh, but if we really look back, you know, we've asked, people have asked us through the years to define what your ministry has looked like. And really, God has asked Sherry and I through the years to step into broken situations and to help bring healing. And I don't think of very—I I can't really think of very many things in life um, that give us more satisfaction than when we can help, along with God's guiding hand, to help bring healing to a broken situation. Kind of like what you and Steve do. Yeah. Uh, for sure, that's what we do a lot of times. So tell me a little bit about then, since you've been doing ministry for so many years, how did you become a Christ follower? Well, I was very fortunate, Melissa, and uh, this is not a guarantee to any human being, but I grew up in a Christian home. I was raised by two godly parents uh, that uh, own their own business, and so they were completely dependent upon God as their source every day of my life and my brother's life as well. And uh, Chuck and I were very blessed uh, to grow up in a Christian home in a wonderful church, the same church all of our life. And um, mom and dad were amazing leaders in various areas, but we saw uh, Christ lived out in our home and in the world in which we lived in. So mom and dad didn't ask or expect anything at home that they didn't expect in public. And so um, even though I was, uh, they helped me understand the fact that I had to have a personal relationship with God. I wasn't going to get in on their coattails. Right. Um, they, they still were tremendous models of, of a loving marriage, of uh, loving parents. And so I was very blessed uh, that you know, that's the environment I grew up in. So just a question about that. You know, sometimes when we, when we grow up, my daughter says that she went to church three times a week as a fetus. Uh, you know, I mean, that was, she just doesn't ever remember not being in church. She doesn't ever remember really not having a relationship with the Lord. Um, <clears throat> even though that's the case, would you say that uh, you lived your whole life just passionately pursuing the Lord? Or did you have what any um, spiritual vacations, I call them? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say... Um, probably like Mariah, I don't ever remember a day not being in church at some point, multiple times during the week, all of my life. Now, there were moments where I questioned God, or I questioned my relationship with God, or I struggled in that relationship, you know, hitting plateaus of immaturity, um, you know, dry seasons, if you will. But I don't know that I ever... Um, did, was not serving God at some level in my life. And uh, even to the point of when I got into college, my college age years, I went to a Christian university. But even in the midst of that Christian university, there were still some challenges in my personal walk with Christ. What do you think has been your biggest struggle, just maintaining that intimacy with the Lord as you've journeyed through, you know, the, just the adventures that life gives us every single day? I think the biggest struggle is the fact that this is what I do 24-7. There's not really anything outside. I, there's, there are some things I do outside the church, but um, I am in an environment where God is being talked about, encouraged, uh, worshipped, uh, you know, applauded, uh, basically 24-7. Yeah. 
And so there are moments in time where um, I have to remember that I have a personal relationship with him and I have to foster that relationship. So God and I have to date. Right. Uh, we have to we have to have spend some alone time together, talking uh, about each other and talking about life, and um, and just because I I am quote unquote a a pastor doesn't mean that it's automatic for me. Uh, I have to work at it just like a marriage has to, yeah. uh, you know, just like a couple has to work at a marriage. I think that's true. I think a lot of people forget. A lot of people think, oh, gosh, it must be really easy to have a really great relationship with the Lord because you work in a church or you're a pastor of a church or, or whatever. But the the kind of kryptonite for us can sometimes be this idea that it just becomes routine. It becomes, well, it's what we do. We do church, you know, and um, and sometimes that overriding you know, it's what we do, we do church kind of thing, can create kind of either a false sense of, like, I'm okay, or it can create this, like, I'm tired of the God thing, so when I'm not at church, I'm just, like, taking my pastor's hat off, I'm going to act like a fool, you know, not, you know, not really bad, but I don't necessarily actively pursue that in my personal life, so I think that's a really great thing that you shared. I think the other aspect, too, for me sometimes is... Um, and you and I have talked about this at other times uh, in our working relationship, is I think we have sometimes we put unrealistic expectations on people that are a part of the church that we're working in. Right. And so, therefore, when a person uh, is new in Christ, we put an expectation on them, but especially if a person has been following the Lord for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, we have a, a an expectation that they're going to be mature, more mature than what sometimes they are. Yeah. And so we have to work in the midst of that frustration and uh, because it would be very easy to just push them to the, to the side and go find people that are going to work with us and what we want them to do. But we can't do that. Um, you know, we have to, we have to continue to reach out to them, uh, encourage them, minister to them, uh, because we're, we're at the end of the day, we're still working with imperfect people. Right. No matter how long we've been Christ followers, no matter how much we love the Lord, no matter how much we passionately pursue him, we are still imperfect people. Yes, we are. And, and, you know, I think that sometimes is when we talked a little bit about new new believers coming into the church and they oftentimes will look at people who've been in church or pastors or leaders or, or whatever and they'll, they'll say, oh, that's what I should look like. And it can sometimes cause a problem when leaders turn out to be normal and <laughs> yeah. human and make mistakes. Right. And so uh, what would you say, what would you give for a piece of advice to a new believer um, in their expectations of leaders in churches or Christ followers or whatever in general? Well, I would start with what I ended with just a minute ago is that when you look at your pastor or you look at a spiritual leader, someone that's teaching a class or whatever it may be, uh, realize first and foremost uh, that they were broken once like you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they have made a they have had a journey that they have been on and they have made it to where they are in their spiritual journey, but they still haven't arrived. Right, right. It doesn't matter how long they've been serving God. They still have a journey that they are on and there are still areas in their life where they have to mature and grow in. And so uh, 
you know, make sure that you give them the grace that someone has given you. I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, one of the things that I find, and, and you've had probably a lot more experience with this, just because the, the longevity of your pastorship has been much longer than mine, but I find we run into people who don't go to church. And, you know, one, especially here in the Bible, we live in the Bible Belt. We live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Like everybody, is, you know, I mean, probably 80% of the people in our, in our communities would, would identify on some level as a Christ follower. Um, but what we find is that there are a lot of people who are disengaged from church for, or, and or God. for one. And what I find is one of two reasons. Somebody in the church hurt them or they prayed a prayer that God didn't answer. Mm-hmm. And so instead of saying, okay, what's let's figure this out. They just kind of chuck the whole thing and say, well, forget that, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm pretty yeah. sure I might go to heaven when I die, but I don't have to have relationship with, with the church. How do you address those people when you run across them? Well, I think first of all, they have to, they have to hear your story. Um, how did you come to Christ? Mm-hmm. Uh, because when they realize you were broken like they were, but because of someone that shared Christ with you, um, and the step that you took in order to embrace uh, the things of God, uh, that you have had a journey. And so I think once they hear your story, uh, it, you allow yourself to be on the level where they feel like they are. That if God could bring you into the kingdom, he can bring them into the kingdom. And a lot of people, unfortunately, have that mindset. God could never bring me into the kingdom right, because right. of what I've done. Oh, let me share something with you. Yeah. yeah, we all know the dirty deeds we've all committed. Absolutely. <laughs> our, all of our laundry is the same color. Yeah, you know? for sure. And, um, and, you know, I think that, what do you say then to people who maybe they've prayed a prayer, but God didn't answer it? Well, I think you have to, again, help them understand that you have struggled with same of the, some of those same challenges. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard for people to understand uh, that God is continually working in their behalf. They, they can't wrap their, their brain around that. Right. It's hard for them to get a picture of the fact that God is working in a positive way for them. What they don't understand are some of the ways of recognizing how God is working. Ah, that's powerful. That's really powerful. And when you give them some bits and pieces of how they can recognize that God's working in their behalf, all of a sudden they go, Oh well, I didn't realize that he did that. Yeah, I didn't take into consideration that that's what that was. When I saw it, I just thought that it was something that has always been there. When in reality, you're telling me that God did that for me. Right. Oh, now I understand. Right. Or, um, you know, one of the things that I find to be true too is sometimes our perspective of what we deem as bad things in our life aren't nearly as bad. <clears throat> for instance, you know, we all thank God for the prayers that he didn't answer that we're like now 10 years out and we're like, oh my gosh, God, I thank you that you saw that better than I did and uh, that you didn't you didn't really say yes to something that I thought I wanted so badly. Right. But um, also in, and it's, it's learning, I know when my dad passed away, um, you know, there's that grief and that loss when we lose a parent. And, um, and I remember in that moment choosing, I, I recognized I had a choice. I could, I could, be desperate. I could be in grief. I, cause I, I became an orphan at the time my dad passed away cause my mother had passed away several years before. And, and, and I remember in that moment, God just spoke to me and said, but could you be grateful that he's not in hell? 
because my dad hadn't gotten my dad had only gotten saved a few years before he died and and so every time I felt those emotions of grief, then I would begin to say no. Like my dad could have not become a Christ follower. My dad could have been lost, and he wasn't. And so even when I look back now, I'm like, that was a powerful moment in my life where God transformed that bad situation into something that made it really powerful. And I think sometimes when we look back on the hard times in our life, we find that it's easier even from a distance sometimes to see where God was working. And I think showing that to people helps them re-engage re in their relationship with the Lord. Oh, absolutely. It becomes real to them. Mm -hmm. That's a real life situation that most people have been in or will be in somewhere along the line. Right. So if we're not teaching them because of what they've gone through, we're teaching them for what is probably going to be coming down the road. For sure. And that's what makes it so important for you and I as, as ministers of the gospel to be in that constant state of asking God to help us teach other people that we come in contact with. And you, you know as a parent, I know as a parent, that either we're teaching our child because of something they've gone through and helping them to realize what, what it was and how they can grow through it, or we're teaching them of something that is coming down the pipe yeah. and they don't see it yet. Right. And that's the, that's the same, you know, we, you and I joke so often that grown-ups are just uh, teenagers in a, in a grown-up body. Right. And the same is true for those that are not Christ followers. They're just a follower that has not come to that place of surrendering their heart and life to Christ yet. Yeah, that's really, really powerful stuff. So let's uh, transition here before okay. we wind, the thing, wind this little podcast up because... Time goes by really fast I when you're doing does. this. Um, you know what? You have, you have a passion that we haven't talked about. And um, <clears throat> for all of my friends out there who um, are, are going to be kind of unnerved by this, you, you have this passion for a team that is red and white. <laughs> but it's yeah. the wrong red and white. But <laughs> let's talk about it for a minute. Certainly in this state, it's the wrong red and white. <laughs> Yep, because he's a he's a roll tide guy. I am a Bama fan, <laughs> yes. And they probably just hit click right there. Don't hang up. Don't don't turn it off yet. He's a great guy in spite of his deficiencies. Um, <laughs> but you know, you were also a football coach, right? So tell me a little bit about. Um, and still am. Yeah, and still that's true. You still coach for um, yeah. uh, one of our local school districts here. And uh, tell me a little bit about why coaching is important to you. You know, I've. Uh, for me, I have not only gotten into coaching, but stayed in coaching uh, through the years, really since I got out of playing college football. I played in Springfield, Missouri at a, uh, a Christian college there. And then out of that, it really, as I went into youth ministry full time, but coaching was really my foot in the door. Uh, you know, most people know and understand that whether it's a secular school or even a Christian uh, school, that they're not always opening their doors to anybody that wants to come in and do something. But one of the things that they're always looking for are good, solid coaches mm -hmm. that understand a particular sport, have understand how to teach the skill set, and are there to help uh, raise good kids. And so uh, coaching was just my door into the secular schools especially, uh, to reach kids that didn't know Christ 
and help them come to Christ and realize that they could not only be a godly young man, but they could be a tough football player at the same time. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I and I know that that's something you love, and so it's something that I didn't want to pass up without oh, saying. Oh, <laughs> We could talk about, listen, I was talking to your wife the other day, and she said, oh, Rich watches old football games over and over again. And, and I'm like, I don't know why anybody does that, but I mean, like, the score doesn't change. You know, it's whatever. I used to tease my, tease my husband because he was a big sports center watcher, and I'm like, it's the same story. They've told it five Five different people have told the same story. Nothing about the story changed. But I always ask her, why do we watch White Christmas every season? <laughs> because I've we love it. I've watched it for 30 years or more. <laughs> so, you know, we watch that a hundred times. But uh, that's, the you know, a lot of it for me, of course, is just um, admiring the coaches, uh, the players that have gone on from college into pro sports. And uh, it's just the love of the game. And so it's... Uh, it, it is it is a passion of mine, but it's not my calling. Right, right. And I know the difference. That's really awesome. So uh, I always like to wind up my podcast with just asking some fun questions. Okay. Um, and, and so since we brought up the whole thing about White Christmas, what is a movie that you watch over and over again that you love, maybe even know the dialogue to? Um, the one besides White Christmas, <laughs> of course. Because that is, one's imposed um, upon you. Is Sweet Home Alabama. All right. And uh, we watched it, as a matter of fact, last night. That's super funny. And That's so not what I would have expected. And so every time it comes on, we, uh, we watch it. That's super funny. Now, do you watch that? Tell me, some, tell me a TV show that you watch because you love versus a TV show that you watch because you watch it for love. Uh, the one that I love is I will, I love NCIS New Orleans. Okay. And, uh, I have always loved anatomy and physiology and a lot of those particular shows deal with, um, those kinds of crimes right. and how they figure out how the crime could have been committed. And, uh, then of course the end result of catching the bad guy. Uh, the one that I watch for love, yeah, oh, because man. you love your wife. Because I love my <laughs> wife, um, it would be uh, the show uh, that uh, Reed Drummond does. Help oh, me again. The Pioneer Woman. The Pioneer Woman. Uh, probably any cooking show uh-huh. uh, is I am watching for love. All right. And so that's uh, that's how I that's how I invest in my wife. Um, are you an exerciser or a non-exerciser? I'm an exerciser. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you always been? I always have been. All right. Because I was, I literally, before being called into full-time ministry, I was going to go into high school teaching and coaching. And uh, part of that, of course, was physical education and recreation. All right. You have one brother. Yes. And you're the baby. Yes. What's the best thing about being the baby of the family? Best thing about being the baby of the family is uh, people take care of you. (laughs) And you utilize that. And I allow them to. (laughs) That's awesome. If Jesus had a candy bar, what would it be? Uh, it would probably be, um, wow, that's a tough one. I would say probably Baby Ruth. Okay. Yeah. Favorite meal your mom cooks that your mom always cooked? Uh, chicken and dumplings. Oh, right. That's yeah. awesome. That's a good southern dish. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, do you have a life verse? Yeah, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lead not to his own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And you know what? I've walked your journey. I've walked the last, what, nine years of your journey with you. Yeah. And I've watched you live that verse out every day. Yeah. Because um, God has thrown you some curveballs that you didn't Ooh. 
that you didn't see coming, and I've watched you watch walk those out with grace. So that's really awesome. Um, if you could say one thing to make Jesus famous, what would you say? He's real. He's real. He's real. It's not some hocus pocus. Not at all. He is as real as you and I are sitting in this room. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having um, me. I know that you, um, Rich, Rich is a pastor. He's a preacher. He's a speaker. He does weddings and funerals. He does a lot of things like that. Um, you know, if you are uh, listening to this and maybe you have a church and you're looking for a gifted and talented uh, platform speaker, Rich is your guy. Um, if you're getting married and you need a pastor who's going to do a really good job, Rich is also your guy. So I'm going to put a link to uh, how to can I'll put his email address in sure. uh, in the show notes so people could get a hold of him if they want cool. to. Um, you know what? I just want to thank you for hanging out with me. It's been a really fun. I Rich is literally one of my favorite people on the whole planet. Um, I think he actually probably gets me uh, more than most people in my life, and I love that so much. Um, so I just want to. Uh, this is that time of the show where we wrap everything up, and I just want to say thanks to you, the listener. Uh, for listening to my podcast. This is where I ask you to do my three little favors for me. First of all, uh, if you're a new listener, would you hit that subscribe button so that all the episodes come up in your podcast feed and you don't have to go hunting for them again because let's face it, Melissa Zimmerman's not the easiest name to spell. And also, if you would uh, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, it helps us bubble up to the top so people can find us easier. And finally, would you uh, share this podcast with some friends that you think might enjoy it? Um, listen, let's make Jesus famous one podcast at a time. So until we uh, meet again, until I bring you my next uh, amazing person in my life, I just want to say thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for joining me. And remember, he doesn't waste a thing.